you know, my, my promise, my commitment, it's not just by me, it's by the whole team, is to be as transparent as possible. And, you know, we may not be able to produce everything, but that's certainly going to be the default. Hey folks, welcome to Lights Out Mass, a podcast about government transparency or the lack thereof in Massachusetts. I'm Andrew Pomer here with my co-host, Jeff Raymond. Hi, everyone. We are recording on Monday, August 21st, 2023, and I'm really excited to announce that today we have a very, very special guest. Jeff and I are here with Massachusetts Governor Maura Healy. Governor Healy, we're so glad to have you here today. It means so much to us. Thank you so much. I really, uh, I appreciate the warm introduction. I really, really do. The team does as well. Okay, so obviously, you know, Jeff and I don't have Maura Healy here. That was actually her thanking the Greater Boston Chamber of Commerce. You know, we're not as cool as them. So uh, we don't have the governor on, but we do have the next best thing. We have some clips of her. Uh, she's, you know, been interviewed on the GBH program, Boston Public Radio. Uh, they have a monthly segment called Ask the Attorney General and also one called Ask the Governor. So we've got some clips of that to share with you. But we are going to be talking about the governor's office today. And Jeff, do you know what Massachusetts and Michigan have in common? Um, other than having the M at the beginning of our names? Yes, they no. <laughs> are the only two states where the governor's office is exempt from the state public records law. And actually, Massachusetts is even more unique because it's the only state where the governor, the legislature, and the courts are all exempt from the state public records law. And uh, I guess, actually, this is a little bit of an aside. The courts are not, uh, they're, they're exempt from the public records law, but there are ways of getting court records, but we're not going to get into that today. We're going to be focused on the governor's office. And uh, Jeff, why don't you give us a little bit of background about this before we get into the audio clips? Throughout the podcast, we're going to reference this 1997 Lambert decision by the Massachusetts Supreme Judicial Court. A lawyer named Ann Lambert sued the Judicial Nominating Council for a copy of a questionnaire submitted by an applicant for judicial appointment. The SJC ruled against Lambert, and they found that the Judicial Nominating Council was an arm of the governor. And since the governor is, quote unquote, not explicitly included in, unquote, the public records law, um, they don't have to disclose their records. Since then, all the governors have voluntarily disclosed records when they've wanted to, but it evokes Lambert when they don't. Yeah, and so this decision was back uh, during the William Weld administration, who was a Republican, but it's been used by Republicans and Democrats alike. And also, just another quick piece of background, the public records law is a requirement that when people request documents, the uh, government agency in question will turn them over. And so there are a few exemptions to this, a number of them actually, like there's a privacy exemption, there's the deliberative process exemption, which applies to certain records related to policymaking decisions, there's a uh, law enforcement investigation exemption, et cetera. But what we're talking about here is a complete and total exemption where the agency in question, the governor's office, does not even have to respond to a public records request if they don't want to. But you know what? Let's uh, go back to 2015. And as you may remember, Maura Healy was the attorney general at the time. And what was also happening was the legislature was weighing whether to pass this this uh, public records reform bill, which ultimately did pass in 2016. But what they did was they did not address this issue of the governor, the legislature, the courts uh, being totally exempt. So Jim Browdy, co-host of Boston Public Radio on November 11th, 2015, uh, asked Attorney General Healy about this. Let's hear what she had to say. The only state in America where there's no, the executive, the judiciary, and the legislature all exempt. Is that a problem from your perspective? Yes, as a categorical matter. I've said I don't think that any branch should be categorically exempt from public records law. I think that there may be appropriate uh, and indeed needed exemptions that should apply, but we can craft those. Yeah, so I mean, that's not a bad answer. None of the uh, branches of government should be categorically exempt. She did leave like a little wiggle room at the end saying that they might need to have new 
exemptions, which I think is a questionable claim, considering we already have lots of exemptions. Uh, Jeff, what do you think? I mean, you know, to the other exemptions, it's like I can I can imagine that the first thought is the deliberative exam exemption because they do a lot of draft stuff within the executive offices. They do a lot of stuff that probably doesn't need to be completely disclosed until it's done. Um, but, you know, it's to be a real cynic about it. It's pretty easy for her to say that no agency should be exempt when it's the other party in the executive suite. Okay, so let's let's jump ahead. It's uh, now February of 2022. Maura Healy is running for governor, and the Statehouse News Service is asking all of the candidates for governor what they think about the governor legislature and courts being exempt from the public records law. So, Jeff, can you just uh, give us the quote from the reporting about Maura Healy? Yeah, so Healy said via a spokesperson that she believes the governor's office should fall under the umbrella of agencies and bodies subject to the law's provisions. She stopped short of saying whether the legislature and judiciary should also comply. Quote, A.G. Healy has long supported updating the public records law to cover the governor's office in the interest of transparency and accountability, unquote, said Healy spokesperson Jillian Fenimore. Okay. So interesting. She's backed off of the legislature and the courts, but she's still saying the governor uh, should be, you know, responsible for complying with the public records law. Uh, let's jump ahead again. It's now December 20th, 2022. We've got another um, clip from Boston Public Radio. And by this point, Healy has been elected governor, you know, and she uh, this is about a little over two weeks before she takes office. So she's about to be inaugurated. And let's hear what she has to say. Two questions. One, will you confirm that you will not claim exemption from public record laws as governor? And we support legislation that at least cuts back whatever exemptions the legislature and judiciary believe they have. Yes and yes. Oh, well, that takes care of that. Yeah, and just to be clear, that... that <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man and and just to be clear that yes and yes was her whole answer there was no like elaboration so i mean that is like a pretty uh and she's I mean, doing it at the like sometimes i'll listen to this program and they're doing it at the boston public library so she's doing it with many witnesses <laughs> yeah i mean so right there what she said is that she is going to essentially voluntarily not claim that she's totally exempt from the public records law all right Let's jump ahead now. We're in January, and uh, she actually posts a policy for how she will respond to public records requests on okay. her website. Jeff, why don't you why don't you tell us what that policy says? This this beauty of a policy, yeah, yeah. this is a good one. Uh, so, by law, records held by the office of the governor are not subject to the public Massachusetts public records law. See Lambert versus Executive Director. Blah blah blah. Previous administrations have, as a voluntary practice, considered and responded to public records requests on a case-by-case -case basis. Governor Healy intends to follow the public records law and provide more transparency to the governor's office than ever before. Public records requests will be evaluated based on the public records law, established exemptions, and any unique obligations of the governor's office. Wow, so that's interesting. So we went from we're not going to invoke this Lambert decision to we're going to post it right on the website. And we're talking not just about the established exemptions to the public records law, but any unique obligations of the governor's office. So let's uh, jump ahead to January 31st, 2023, and we'll see if Healy can explain what all this means. We're Again, this is Boston Public Radio. Let's hear what she has to say. How is that statement on your website different from Baker and all before? Um, I think what's what's different or what you'll see is different is that when it comes to the actual implementation, you'll see some differences. I mean, as Attorney General, I was accustomed to complying with the public records law, and I said that I would continue that as governor, even though legally, even though legally I'm not required mm -hmm. to and until and unless there's a legislative change. And so that's why, you know, it's matter by matter, request for request, request by uh, request, because there may be certain instances as a matter of security or personnel issues. Um, you mentioned a deliberative, you know, policy making. Mm -hmm. There may be certain instances where there are certain things that cannot be provided to the public, but I have uh, assured and will continue to assure that I will be uh, a governor who is going to be the most transparent uh, that we've seen when it comes to the production of information. It's why, Marjorie, res with respect to 
you asking questions about the tea, I'm not going to hide the ball on things, you know, because for better or worse, the public needs to know. So that was the, th that's where my position remains the same. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, it's, it's funny. It's like I've, I've heard these in a vacuum prior to coming on these things and now hearing it one by one by one, it's like, it's like the world's worst roller coaster. This is, I know. this is amazing. So, yeah. So this, this answer, <laughs> Let me, let me start by saying it's like very, it's like a rambling answer and it doesn't really get to the substance of Jim Brady's question. What she says is essentially like her policy is not technically any different than past governors, but her practice will be different. But then she doesn't give any like specific examples, except at the end, she does say she won't hide information about the MBTA. And I want people to keep that in mind because we are going to come back to that later. But let's Let's talk about this this practice that Healy claims is somehow uh, different. I want to tell you uh, about three requests that were answered by her office in February. And so the first one is one that I submitted. And I asked for emails uh, and text messages from the Charlie Baker administration, her predecessor. And I asked for email specifically related to like police and law enforcement, because, you know, there was a lot of interesting stuff going on at the time that Charlie Baker was governor. You had scandals in the state police, like the overtime fraud scandal. You also had in 2020, a, a huge police reform bill that was passed. And it'd be really interesting for people to be able to uh, take a look at some of that stuff. And so when the Healy administration responded to me, they refused to turn over any emails and emails or and text messages. These are things that like, uh, uh, for example, a mayor, you know, the executive of a city would be required to turn over. But Healy's office cited this Lambert decision that she claimed she wasn't going to cite. And what they're, they gave a little bit of an explanation for why they weren't going to release the records. They said that they they have a policy of voluntarily complying with the public records law, but that policy, quote, does not apply retroactively to the records of previous administrations, end quote. So this would be like if you asked the mayor of Boston for emails and she for emails from the last mayor, and she was like, I, I don't have to do that. That that's not something that exists in the public records law. So that same month, uh, a WBUR reporter, Todd Wallach, he had two of his requests rejected. Um, he had asked for severance agreements from the last five years of the Baker administration, and he asked for sexual harassment complaints from that same time period. And so the Healy administration refused to turn over any records. And again, it cited this exact same justification about the policy not being retroactive. And for the sexual harassment complaints, it did go a little bit further. They also cited uh, two exemptions for the public records law. They are internal, uh, this exemption B for internal personnel rules and exemption C for privacy. But, you know, they're still, she, they're still relying on this Lambert decision, which claims that the governor is completely exempt. And then there's a, another request I want to talk to from Samantha Gross of the Boston Globe. So you remember that they wouldn't give me emails from the Baker administration because those are old emails from a different administration. So what happened when the Boston Globe asked for emails and other correspondence from the Healy administration corresponding with leaders of the state legislature? Well, uh, they rejected that request too, citing the Lambert decision. And they said that releasing this correspondence, quote, would interfere with the governor's necessary regular activities and responsibilities, and as a consequence, unreasonably hinder the governor in effectively performing her duties, which is not a thing under the public <laughs> records law. <laughs> so they did give the globe some records uh not the emails not the text messages or other correspondence what they turned over was healy's calendar but then they blacked out dozens of entries on the calendar citing uh exemption n which is the secure so-called security exemption oh they love it, the security exemption yeah man. and this is <laughs> this is this is an exemption for like schematics and blueprints like sort so of this, security yeah this was an exemption put in place right after september 11th yeah and it was that i like to call it a terrorist exemption because they don't want 
terrorists to be able to case a building and find out, you know, where to stick the bomb in the vent. You know, it's it's not meant for, you know, the communications between over email for any. No, well, this is the this is the calendar. But yeah, but as far but as it's I know, the same idea. Yeah, it's, no, I know. But yeah. as far as I know, I've never heard of like, for example, a mayor saying that their calendar was like in part protected by like the security exemption. I mean, maybe it's happened, but I haven't heard of it before. Like even the White House calendar logs are open. You know, it's like <laughs> you can at least meet the White House's standard. <laughs> yeah. All right, I do have a question for you though, Andrew. Um, have did you ever do any records requests with the Baker administration? Uh, I only did one that I could think of and they actually complied with it. And it was sort of a, if you've ever heard of the, uh, I think they're called the George Hanna awards. These are like awards for bravery, uh, acts of bravery by police officers. So this was something that it, it wasn't all that surprising to me that they released it. It wasn't something that, you know, might call into question anything that the governor had done, but other than that, I, I didn't really ask for anything that I can think of, but let's uh, let's move on. So hmm. now we're on March 3rd, 2023. We've got another clip from uh, Boston Public Radio. So a guy known only as Peter texted the show. And I want to say to Peter, thank you for your service, King. Uh, he, <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he basically uh, wrote in and was like, you know, why did you go back on your promise and let us hear what more Healy's explanation on that is? Well, there's a law out there and a court decision that, that gives, that gives that, that, um, that privilege to the judiciary, the legislature and the, uh, administration, the governor's administration. What I have said is that I am going to work to be as transparent as possible and, um, uh, treat, the administration as I treated my administration as attorney general. So we have received public records requests. I have produce, uh, produced calendars, um, travel logs and the like. Um, I've said that we're gonna evaluate you know, with each request that comes in, but the instructions to my team have been, let's, let's be as transparent as we can. And there are certain instances as governor where I'm not able to provide um, all information to the public, but I am gonna look to be the most transparent governor um, that the state has ever seen when it comes to when it comes to documents. And also, Peter, I think, you know, over the last eight weeks, hopefully folks have seen uh, I've made myself as available as I can be to the press, uh, following meetings, following, you know, events. I'm, I'm out there talking to reporters, available for interviews. My team is as well. And, you know, I think that that kind of communication transparency with the public is, is really important. <laughs> so... Yeah, so that's another rambling answer. And really, she only thing she came up with, she she said she's given out her calendar and she mentioned travel logs, which I'm not even sure what she's talking about. I think she might have just been conflating the two records. I haven't heard of her releasing travel logs. And in fact, we're going to be talking a little bit about her travel later in the episode. Um, and also want to point out at the end, she like changes the subject and talks about how she talks to the media and stuff, which is fine. It's good that she is available for interviews, but just it's, it's not the, it's not what we're talking about. You know, like the, the giving out records is different than giving out interviews. Like you need to do both to be transparent. It's bare minimum. <laughs> I mean, like that's, you know, she needs, a she does interviews with the press because she needs them. So to report what she does. Like yeah. if she's in people, if she's aggressive with them, she's not going to go to the Boston Public Library once a month to get on GVH. You know, if that's that's the whole thing. It's 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 just ew. I hear these <laughs> clips, and I hear these clips, and I and I hear what she's saying, and it just like it feels like she's just it's gaslighting. It's absolute gaslighting. Absolutely, that's you know, exactly what I. She said. wants us to, you know, uh, you know, this is this is this is a, it's Trumpian almost. Just keep hammering home the idea that that she is the most transparent thing in the country. You know, like she's the most transparent governor ever. Start just putting a bunch of your documents up on the website. That'll yeah. be a step ahead of anybody else who's done it. You know, you only have 20 years of people in the digital era of governors that have done it. So you're <laughs> setting your bar insanely low. Yeah, I know. And like speaking of gaslighting, there's another clip from this uh, interview that I want to play where Jim Browdy, he pushes back like a little bit and he asks Healy to clarify her policy 
Um, so let's listen to that. It's also true that I stand by what I said and that I was not going to take a position that uh, Lambert applies to the th the applies case. to everything. And yeah. I'm really I'm really trying to be consistent about that. It is true that from time to time there are certain things in my records that you know potentially implicate I guess my security and. Um, and the like, and, and I just have to be mindful of that. But you know, my, my promise, my commitment, it's not just by me, it's by the whole team, is to be as transparent as possible. And you know, we may not be able to produce everything, but that's certainly gonna be the default. Uh, so I, mm. I don't know about that, Maura <laughs> Healy. <laughs> uh, but you know, what I would say is that, I mean, this is basically a lie. I mean, so she's saying, you know, to what it is, is she's basically playing a word game. She's saying, look, I released my calendar. Therefore, I'm not claiming that all of my records are exempt under this Lambert decision. But I think that's that's basically trying to mislead people who don't understand how this works, because the way this works is like if you the public records law applies to you, you don't get to pick and choose when it applies and when it doesn't, you have to basically say, okay, there are some exemptions in the law, but they're limited and I can only use those. But other than that, it's not up to me whether I get to release the records or not. And what she's basically trying to do is confuse that issue and say, look, since I, I voluntarily disclosed my calendar, you know, like I'm not claiming a complete exemption, but that's basically not, it's not true. Like that's because that's Maura Healy. I just want to say, Maura Healy isn't stupid. She's very intelligent. No. <laughs> I wouldn't I wouldn't say that she's stupid at all. Like she's a very shrewd and intelligent person. She's also a lawyer, one of the most successful lawyers in our state. She was the attorney general. So for her to sort of make that distinction, like play that word game, that's not a mistake. That's something that she's doing deliberately. She knows exactly what she's doing. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's a, it's doubly like a misdirection because she's pounded into everybody's head at this point that she is more transparent than anybody in the past and stuff like that. So she has now set a baseline for us. And now she goes ahead and says, oh, well, you know, I've put out some like calendar and stuff you know, with the implication that she is already showing she's more, more, um, more transparent, and then implying in turn that her predecessors were not as transparent as her, not giving any sort of real evidence for it. But it's just such a, it's a very lawyerly game, I expect her to be telling that story in front of a jury, to try to get her client off not to try to get a talk show host to stop badgering her about public records promises you made <laughs> yeah i mean it's so it's it's really cynical and and i it, it that really you know that bothers me like that to, to say such a it, it, really it's a lie I, I like i've called it a lie i have no problem calling it a lie it, it's just it, it's really it's really cynical it's disrespectful to her constituents but in any case jeff after this interview we've got a couple more records requests to discuss do you want to uh tell us about those yeah, so some of the local news groups have been looking at other records requests. Um, one involved the um, approval of the abortion pill Mifepristone, where, curiously enough, Governor Healy was able to kind of get a very quick statement out about um, Massachusetts getting a, um, you know, sort of a backlog of the, I don't Stock think a backlog right. Stockpile, thank you, of the pill um, in Massachusetts um, and offer a four-page executive order specifically making sure that access to that pill remained legal in Massachusetts, even though, or may remain available, I should say, in Massachusetts. Um, yeah, this is a reaction to, going on. this is a reaction yeah. to the Supreme Court overturning the Roe v. Wade decision. She's trying to make sure, uh, you know, admirably, in my opinion, that Massachusetts has access to this option for abortion. Right. And for those who are, aren't keeping up with those sort of uh, things too often, abortion's not my beat, but there's been a couple district appeals courts across the country that have called into question the FDA's approval of this specific pill, some places of which are trying to use the Comstock laws to ban people from, you know, and arrest doctors for prescribing it in their states. It's a mess, yeah, um, but it's, it's not an a ongoing, mess here. ongoing thing it's... that we're not going to be able to sort out on this podcast. Uh, but <laughs> That is way outside of our lane, but it's a mess. And, you know, Healy, to her credit, was able to get ahead of the game a little bit. But that's why the public records request came in. How did she get ahead of the game? How did she coordinate all this stuff together ahead of time? So the State House News Service reached out for records for April of this past year for any emails mentioning Mifepristone sent or received by Healy, 
her chief of staff, senior advisor, et cetera, et cetera. The gap in records um, leads to a gap in a publicly visible timeline. So we know something went on, but it's sort of like the Nixon tape. There's about 18 minutes that we can't account for. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, just the outright end, of, end result is that we didn't get all the records. They withheld some of the emails without specifying a number and um, noted attorney-client privilege, always a favorite of those in power, and uh, the exemptions C and D, C being the privacy exemption we mentioned earlier, D is the... Um, Deliberative process. Exactly, for in-development policy positions. So Yes, yeah. even though this policy had already been established at the time. And that's the, kick, that's the kicker on this one, because if, if the Statehouse News Service was asking for this after they released their executive order, Technically speaking, all that previous stuff should be available now. D only exists to keep us from releasing stuff early. Yeah. So you can't get ahead of a government agency and, and report on stuff and have them change things midway through. It's designed to make sure that we're able, able to get a hold of these deliberative documents to see how it went, but not try to influence it by weaponizing the public records law. It's yeah. not the worst exemption in the world, but yeah. that's not what it's supposed to be used for, not this. <laughs> and, and we should just clarify for this particular request, we don't have a copy of the actual response. We're just going by what was reported by Statehouse News right. Service. But then there was another one uh, from the Boston Herald, right, Jeff? Governor Healy took a trip to Ireland and you know it cost quite a bit of money to go. And so the Boston Herald was looking for a lot of information on the costs and, you know, what she did out there and, you know, the different types of events that went along with it. They got some of that information back. They were able to break down, you know, some of the, some of where the money came from. There was the Massachusetts Tourist Trust Fund, Tourism Trust Fund, I should say, the Technology Collaborative, um, and then a nonprofit policy group of business leaders across the state also paid about 12 and a half grand to uh, help get her over there. So, um, it was like $83,000 total, I think, correct? Yeah, yeah. It, it, they definitely weren't using some sort of like flight tracker thing to get cheap tickets, apparently. But, yeah. um, but you know, it's, it, it's it, you know, the cost breakdown includes the airfare, the hotels, the ground transport, the meals and everything like that. You know, and I mean, you know, on one hand, it's a noteworthy thing. Um, Ireland, you know, relatively recently decriminalized homosexuality um jfk visited as a state visit um i think it was a 60 year anniversary of that ireland also just um really relaxed their abortion um laws in the last five or six years you know so it was a very interesting time and of course you know massachusetts is ireland on the west on the west side of the atlantic so you know it all makes sense but it's again there's no harm in releasing this information yeah if and anything we should be clear, though, Jeff, that those costs, that cost breakdown that you were sharing, that was sent to the Herald in a written statement. However, the Herald actually did request records uh, about this. The Herald had asked for um, receipts and invoices, but the uh, Healy administration, they rejected this request. So the, the Boston Herald actually sent in a records request that asked for receipts and invoices uh, related to this trip. And they also asked for the calendar. And so the Healy administration, they turn over the calendar like they did with the Globe, again, you know, with lots of redactions. But with the receipts and invoices, they rejected that request. And the uh, it's not clear entirely what is applying to the calendar and what's applying to the receipts and invoices. But they cited the privacy exemption, the security exemption again, uh, the Lambert decision and, quote, the uh, unique obligations of the office of the governor again. So again, like invoices, receipts, those are things that, you know, the mayor of your city, you know, or whoever, you know, would be required to turn over. But the governor is claiming that somehow this is, you know, the governor is special and doesn't have to provide this stuff. Hold you on. know, and it's, and especially, you know, her security, because, you know, we need to make sure she doesn't make the exact same trip next time and we can track her you know <laughs> it's, it's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous okay so healy uh was asked about an axios article this is again we're on boston public radio this is august 10th 2023 
And there, there was an Axios article kind of summarizing a lot of the requests that we've discussed on this program. And we're going to hear how Healy responded when she was questioned about this. To the extent we withheld documents, they are documents that are exempt under the public records law. Sometimes they're because of attorney-client privilege or because of um, uh, there's, there's certain uh, safety implications um, presented. Um, sometimes it's, they're, they're within another exemption about deliberative process. But you know, we have produced, including my calendar, um, a lot more information than other administrations. It may not be everything that everyone wants at all times, but know that we are making calls and judgments that are really in the best in, uh, best interest of the administration of the state. <laughs> I my love calendar. That. I, I know calendar. the only the only thing she could come up with is the calendar, which remember is like heavily redacted. But I love the like patronizing comment at the end about like, don't worry, you know, we just trust us. We're doing the best we can. And if we withheld we 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 withhold stuff, it's for your own good. You and, know, and, say what again, you will it's about just, it, it's just sorry, it's just not it's like it's not true. She says again that basically they're only relying on exemptions to the public records law. But we know that's not true because in some cases, like the request I sent, all they cited was this Lambert court decision that she said she wasn't going to rely on. Say what you will about the GBH folks sometimes, but it's like good on them for hammering her on this because they have been, you know, I mean, she goes on that program once a month. It almost feels like once a month they're putting her to task on these public <laughs> records things. And it's just, you know, and I guess, you know, I have some really bizarre credit for Healy for staying on message for this long because <laughs> she's, she has done a bang up job just kind of making, you know, she's got her script down on this. It's, I know. It's and, talking. you know, I think the, uh, the Boston public radio folks, they could push back a little more, but I think that the, just the fact, you know, like, again, we're, we're never going to get Healy on our podcast, but the fact that someone's out there asking her about uh, this, definitely not after it, this one, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it counts for something. So I appreciate, uh, in particular, this is like one, something Jim Browdy really is focused on. So Jim, if you're listening, thanks. Thanks, bro. We, uh, you know, but anyway, you know, as you uh, may remember, Healy said in one of the earlier clips that she was not going to hide the ball on the MBTA. So let's find out if that's true or not. So uh, August 11th, the day after that last clip, the Healy administration responded to a request from Streets Blog Mass, which is like a transportation focused uh, media site. And they had requested this thing from the MBTA called the Capital Needs Assessment. And it's basically, I don't think we need to get into the details of what a shit show the MBTA is, but I think anyone who lives in the state already knows. But basically, this is like a thing that tallies up the repair costs that the MBTA is going through. And so they asked for this from the MBTA first. And then the MBTA came back and said it's going to cost $2,575 to uh process these records and redact information from them. So they decided, let's go to the governor. And we asked, they asked for email correspondence related to this capital needs assessment. I, I assume that the hope was that there'd be like a file attachment on one of the emails that has a copy of it or whatever. But in any case, the Healy administration wrote back and <laughs> refused to produce these documents saying uh, that they were exempt under exemption D the attorney client privilege and again the quote unique obligations of the governor's office and of course they cited that lambert decision and you know again exemption d i should also clarify it doesn't apply to factual studies which i right is exactly what we're talking about here i'm not entirely sure uh, that this would be considered attorney-client privilege either. There's often, uh, when it comes to like attorney-client stuff, uh, there's also like, if it's purely factual information that often has to be released anyway. So I don't know that either of those exemption claims are credible, but you know, that last thing Healy said in the last clip about how, oh, I'm doing what's best for you guys. I want to clarify a point which is no one outside her office is reviewing any of these decisions that are supposedly for the public good. So in Massachusetts, we have the supervisor of public records who serves under the secretary of the Commonwealth, Bill Galvin. And you can write a appeal if you're denied records to the supervisor of public records, and she will write back and basically say that 
the agency's response was inadequate or that the agency's response was fine. And so in February, when all those initial requests we were talking about happened, there were uh, six appeals to the supervisor of public records about the governor, including one from me. And in all six of them, the supervisor, what she said was, sorry, the governor cited the Lambert decision. I can't help you. And, you know, I, I spoke to the secretary of the Commonwealth spokesperson. And basically what she said was e even in cases where the governor has cited like an exemption, like, you know, the privacy exemption or whatever, as long as that language about the Lambert decision is in there, which it's in, it appears to be in every response that I've received a copy of. Um, as long as that language is in there, just sorry, we, we can't do anything. And so after that, nobody's bothered to write any more appeals about the governor. So that that thing that's supposed to be a check on the ability of people to inappropriately withhold records, it's just not there for the governor. So for her to go up and say, oh, I'm just, you know, complying with the law as it's written and I'm not claiming this total exemption. But then nobody's even, you know, pushing back, you know, no, no there's no like watchdog pushing back. You know, the, basically the only option someone would have is like to go to court and try to get this Lambert decision overturned. Or the other thing, which is what we're going to talk about next, is basically we need to pass legislation that finally applies the public records law to the governor. So I've got three bills that I want to summarize real quick. So Secretary Galvin wrote a bill which was filed on his behalf by Senator Michael Brady. This is S 1967. And this is pretty simple. It would just apply the public records law to the governor's office. We've got another bill by Senator Jamie Eldridge. This is S 1963. And this bill would apply the law to the governor's office. And it would also, it wouldn't apply the law to the legislature. It would make some like more modest reforms. So it's kind of like a compromise bill. And I should say that Jamie Eldridge does support applying it to the legislature. So please give him credit for that. This is more of like a political maneuver to try to actually get something to move forward. What this would do is, this is something we're gonna talk about in more detail in a future episode, I think. but. The legislature has, you know, all these legislative committees that decide whether to kill a bill or whether to like give it a favorable rating, uh, you know, and those committee votes are secret, believe it or not. And then also when people submit written testimony to the legislature, you know, this could be from members of the public, but it also comes from like special interest groups who are trying to kill legislation or get legislation that favors their industry. The, that written testimony, the legislature does not have to release it. So basically his bill would like fix those two problems, but it would not apply the law to the legislature. And so the third bill is by Senator Becca Rausch. And so this bill, it would apply the law to both the governor and the legislature. I do just have one other point to raise about it, which is like a little bit of concern and that is that it would basically create a new exemption for policymaking discussions. And this would apply only to communications, memoranda, drafts, or other documents relating to developing policy positions of members of the legislature or the governor. And the concern here that I have is that this would apply not just to like policy discussions that are complete, but to um, all policy discussions, you know, even if the policy discussion is no longer ongoing, it would still apply. And, and like the real concern about that is that the legislature and governor's main job is to make policy. So we're talking about like a huge chunk of their records. And I realize that this probably is in some sense like a compromise to get more people on board, but it's something that to be concerned about. But, you know, what I will say is we've had bills like this before that they often just die in committee because I don't think the legislature is particularly gung-ho about opening up their own records. And I think that that's something we'll get into more detail when we talk, do an episode about the legislature. But I wanted to kind of uh, flag that. Yeah, and and it's, you know, the, the legislature in Massachusetts, if you don't follow it too much, is <clears throat> super majority Democrat. There are very few Republicans. The infighting is mostly within the party. They would have had a bigger discussion about it in the last 
eight years when Charlie Baker was in place where they could have possibly, you know, pushed the envelope a little bit. I am not very confident that they're going to try to kneecap Governor Healy on public records for the sake of transparency now that one of theirs is in office. It just it just screams like this is a political opportunity to put some stuff out there and say, we're trying to do something. And that's the end of it. Yeah. I mean, the original hope is like, remember, back in the day, (laughs) not that long ago, Governor Healy was talking about how she supported this. And it's sort of like there was like a sense that, well, maybe if you've got a governor who's like actively saying, I support changing the law, then the legislature would finally be like, okay, well, maybe we'll at least apply it to the governor, you know, but, you know, let's, let's hear what Governor Healy had to say. This is, we're going to jump back to uh, January 31st. And this is when Jim Browdy asked Healy whether she wants to file her own legislation about public records. Would you file legislation to exempt your office? I I don't think I need to file legislation. I think that I can just implement as along the lines that I've articulated, you know, and that's, that's, um, that's what I'm going to (laughs) do. Come on. So the the lines that she's articulated, which is, I'm just going to withhold most records that people ask for, I guess. But I mean, you know, in fairness, I don't think Governor Healy does need to file her own legislation. What she needs to do is say, there's legislation that exists already, and I support that. So, you know, I did ask Governor Healy's office, I, I didn't ask her about a particular bill in this case. What I did is I just said, you know, generally speaking, does Governor Healy support applying the public records law to her office? And the answer I got was not really an answer to that question. This is from her spokesperson, Carissa Hand. Quote, the governor will review any legislation that reaches her desk. End quote. I mean, that's some well, that's real... like the bare minimum role of the governor. <laughs> that's like really fantastic leadership there. I will check out that legislation when it finally hits my desk. If it doesn't die in committee and get killed by the speaker and the or the Senate president, you know, that's great. That's awesome. The part that kills me about this entire affair is that if she was serious about transparency and if she was serious about trying to change the tone, she has every tool in her toolbox to set a new precedent in this state where the governor is as transparent as anybody else. They, she could do this, that, the other thing to make it happen. And instead, she's keeping the status quo just so it's a status quo. And just almost, so she can protect the future? It's it's, it's 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 worse than that because not only is she maintaining the status quo, she's like pretending that she's not. She's <laughs> like going out there and being like, oh, I'm I'm the most transparent ever. I'm following the law as it's written. I'm not claiming this Lambert exemption, but it's not even true. Like it's Yeah, just, the troops are not coming down on Baghdad, you know, Baghdad Bob Marcy Healy. Poor <laughs> Healy. <laughs> All right, you know, Jeff, uh, in the spirit of transparency, why don't we also just share our kind of thoughts on Maury Healy separate from this issue? You know, we've been kind of hyper-focused on this transparency issue, but, you know, that's not everything. Let's let's talk a little bit. And I I have no problem saying it. I I don't really like Maury Healy all that much. Um, I, I think that Honestly, I have a hard time like differentiating her from Charlie Baker in any like substantial way who I also did not like very much. And I I guess, you know, Maura Healy, she has this like image, I would call it a facade that she's built up, that she's like this trailblazing progressive politician. And I think where it originates is like when she was attorney general, she's constantly suing the Trump administration, which I'm not I'm not saying that's bad. But I think that's sort of like where her image came from. But I think there's more to her than that. I think if you look at some of her other policies, she's actually like, she's fairly conservative for a Democrat. Like, I, I think the one issue I want to focus on is her uh, stance on like criminal justice issues. And like, if you jump back a number of years, Maura Healy opposed marijuana legalization, which is just so wildly out of touch. But then there's other things. She supported this uh, bill that would expand the state's wiretapping law to give these really extensive surveillance powers to the police. 
And during the discussion about police reform, she opposed a moratorium on the use of facial recognition technology by police. And also the thing that really stands out to me is she opposed a ban on no-knock warrants by police for situations where they know that there's either a child or a person 65 and up in, in the, the building. And so for people who don't know, a no-knock warrant is when the police force their way into a, a building, generally a home, uh, without warning, and they will detain every single person inside at gunpoint, even if that person is not suspected of a crime. This is an extremely dangerous practice that's led to some really tragic outcomes, the most uh, famous recent one being Breonna Taylor in Kentucky. But, uh, you know, even when there isn't tragedy, this is like traumatizing for people to have these like people like breaking down your door, they're pointing guns at you, they're screaming at you, they're cursing at you, they're telling you, get on the floor, I'm gonna blow your head off. And you know, there've been tragedies in Massachusetts too. What I think of most is in 2011 in Framingham, the city where I live, there was a man named Yuri Stamps. He was a 68 year old retired MBTA maintenance worker. And the police, lo local police, Framingham police, they, after midnight, broke into his home on a drug search warrant. So this is a nonviolent crime, drugs, This is, which is generally what these warrants are used for. Uh, they're not used typically for really violent things. They're for drug crimes. And so they broke into this guy's house. He wasn't even the target of the warrant. It was a relative, relatives of his. And he did everything the police said. He got on the ground, you know, he was trying to comply with them. And a police officer named Paul Duncan shot and killed him. And he had not done anything wrong. And the, the police officer, Paul Duncan, he was not prosecuted. He was not even fired. And the reason was because he said, whoopsie, it was an accident. I didn't mean to pull the trigger on my gun that, you know, I had in my hand with the safety off with my finger on the trigger. It was just a mistake. In any case, my point just being, this is like a serious issue and, you know, uh, I realize this discussion was happening years later, but if this, if this law had been, this rule had been in place that you can't go in if there's an elderly person inside, Yuri Stamps would be alive. And, you know, I don't think that these warrants should really be used anyway for basically almost anything, especially not drugs. It's extremely, you know, uh, violent and traumatizing to people. But in any case, that, that's something Maura Healy supported and made excuses for, uh, th that type of warrant. And I, what I, I just say is like Maura Healy was the attorney general, and uh, that means she was a prosecutor, and prosecutors are basically police officers with law degrees, and that is like her <laughs> perspective on things. You know, she's a, she's a cop, basically, and I think people should be a little suspicious of her, at least when it comes to criminal justice. Her approach has always been like a prosecutor, and she was a prosecutor long before she was elected attorney general. She clerked for, you know, in criminal cases. That's where my major skepticism of her comes from, because typically speaking, the people who are the prosecuting agencies aren't the ones who are going to be skeptical of government power in any way, shape or form. They're instead going to weaponize it. And, you know, as you said earlier, you know, she made a lot of show of prosecuting the Trump administration for a lot of different things. She was on the front lines of of the lawsuits against the Sacklers and Purdue Pharmaceutical. You know, it's a lot of different stuff there that it's just, she's not dumb. Like we said before, she's not stupid. She knows what she's doing and things are very calculated in her approach. And you're seeing it now with how she, how she governs where, you know, she's not going to make too many ways, but she's going to be very careful about the, about the statements she makes, especially when it comes to issues of transparency and of getting information out to the public, which is not something that prosecutors generally like anyway. Yeah. So what I would just add there is, you know, to the extent that I agree with Maura Healy on policy, it's still very difficult to view her as an ally simply because of like what we've been talking about, which is just like her lack of candor and integrity, essentially, you know, like, I'm not saying that she's all bad. And like, when she does good, I'm happy to give her credit. But I just think that like, when someone goes out on ask the governor and says, Oh, I'm not using this court case to deny people public records requests. And it's not even true. Like, it's just hard to take that person seriously. But 
Jeff, I've got one more bonus clip. Ooh. I, I, I did say I wasn't able to get more Healy on the podcast, but back in May, uh, May 17th, I was at the State House. And one of the fun things about the State House is that all of these people who you normally only see on TV are walking around and you can just walk right up to them and uh, approach them. So I, I was there for something completely unrelated, but I did see Governor Healy walking around with some of her staff. So I walked up to her and I asked her about this public record stuff. Let's hear what she had to say. Hey, Governor, Andrew Kumar, the mass dump, is there a reason you went back on your promise to abide by the public records law? No, no comment. Yeah, I didn't think so. And that, folks, is why she will not be coming on that podcast, this podcast, anytime yeah, soon. Yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so she she just kept walking. You might have, you could hear some chatter in the background, sound like some other people were talking with her. So, yeah, she didn't want to talk to me, which. Oh boy. Oh well, you know, yeah. maybe maybe next time I'm there, I will uh, ask her to uh, join us. But uh, yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll ambush her at the uh, Boston Public Library for one of the GBH shows and really put her to the test <laughs> yeah and then they won't tell her tell us when she's going there anymore citing security so, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah so i don't know just what else is there to say jeff i think we we've we've covered it pretty thoroughly just uh maura healy's been at least for this public records issue has been a, a, a big disappointment but what you can do is we're going to link to those public records bills and you can uh write to your state legislature and write to the governor's office and just tell them that this issue of transparency is important to you and uh, you know let them know that, that they should seriously vote for this stuff because you genuinely care about it because that's something I've heard before is like oh transparency isn't isn't super important to people it's like a secondary issue but you know it, it really affects everything you know we've been talking about so many different things like the police, uh, the MBTA, abortion, uh, you know, just government spending on, you know, trips to out of the country, things like that, like all these issues, uh, you know, sexual harassment, so much to talk about. And we've got to have uh, access to all that stuff. So, uh, you know, right, right in, tell them you care. Put aside our hobby horses for a minute. Most of the journalism that you love about keeping tabs on local and state government are heavily reliant on public records. People are doing public records requests from newsrooms all the time. And the amount of time that these reporters have to fight the these groups to try to get any sort of documents out of them is time they could be spending keeping an eye on the people who govern us. And don't tell me that's not by design either. It's long overdue. It's 2023, guys. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, folks. I think we're going to wrap this one up. So thanks for tuning in. Uh, we're going to take at least one week off. This last one was a lot of work, but uh, we will be back soon. You've been listening to Lights Out Mass. I'm Andrew Comer. I write the Mass Dump newsletter. That's andrewqmr.substack.com. That's where you can find this podcast. You can also find us on Apple and Spotify. And I'm Jeff Raymond with the Mass Transparency Project in Bramanville Tribune, masstransparency.org, bramanvilletribune.com, or at Twitter, Jeff and Milbury. Our theme music is Sunbleach by Lifeformed. You can find more music at Bandcamp. Sunlight is the best disinfectant.